Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Kate Faulkner. Hello, hope you're okay. Thank you for downloading today's podcast on Tuesday, July 18th. Our top story today, a snodland mum has issued a warning after her toddler managed to turn on an oven, setting fire to a pile of shopping and clothes on top. 20-month-old Enzo was able to reach up to the hob to ignite the blaze, which took hold and destroyed the kitchen. The family have now been forced to move into a hotel while repairs are done. Lucy Hickmott has been talking to Tay Carter. She says it was a scary time. We have an electric cooker. So usually I'm quite on top with making sure Enzo's nowhere near it. And on this day, I was again, but I didn't look close enough, really. We went shopping um, as it was my birthday the day after. And so we were just getting like sandwich bits, party rings, like even though it was my birthday, it was more of a party for my little boy. Literally, as we got back, put everything on the cooker and I folded up washing, put that all on top of the side and the cooker, plus the air um, obviously just to get out of the way um, because of my little boy and the puppy together. It's just a nightmare. And it just went up in flames. It was just a nightmare, to be honest. And at what point did you realise the fire had broken out? My boyfriend come over and... Um, he was in the kitchen with his, that's also his son. And um, I just heard him shouting and I was just thinking to myself, oh, what has Enzo done again? Um, literally, as I come out, he's telling me to get out the house, like take Enzo out the house. Um, and literally before I even got to the kitchen, I could feel the heat from the fire. Literally, I grabbed my little boy, ran outside. All the neighbours were kind of just standing outside already so I just asked if one of them could just hold him just while I ran back in because uh, my partner was trying to put out the fire rather than trying to get out um so I left my little boy with the neighbors to run back in to get my partner we both come out um one of our neighbors thankfully called the fire brigade way before we even left the house. So what happened when firefighters arrived? So they got there quite quickly, put it all out. Um, They were there for a little while as well because even though the kitchen was the most damaged, a lot of the house was smoke damaged and a lot of our clothes were burned. Um, I mean, all the stuff on the side was my son's clothes. So these last few days I've been trying to top him back up. but they were really good. They they offered assistance for people who could help us with like clothes, food. Um, and they've put us in a, I don't know if it's a fire brigade, but uh, whoever we're with have put us in a hotel just until the house is sorted. So we're not homeless, which is like great. Um, but yeah, they were really, really helpful as well, the fire crew. Yeah, I mean, it's such a scary thought that just a moment of, you know, not paying attention always when you're busy and, you know, as, as a mum, you're always busy. Can Honestly, it's a nightmare. And the thing is, I, I've definitely learned my lesson 100% um, into the point of that the cooker definitely needs to be turned off by the wall when you're not using it and we're definitely investing in some baby gates (laughs) yeah would that be your kind of warning to others then because it can so easily happen yeah absolutely I mean as I said before I am quite cautious of him in the kitchen by himself 
But even when we was in there with him, he was still able to do it. So 100%, I would say, like, please, please make sure you turn off your cooker by the wall, whether, like, you're not using it or whatever. But another thing is I would advise people to have fire fire extinguishers because I think if we had one, it wouldn't have been as bad. Um, but because we had nothing to put the fire out, it obviously escalated very, very quickly. The 22-year-old also didn't have contents insurance, so friends are fundraising to help the family out. If you'd like to make a donation, the details are at Kent Online. Also making news today, and this has been one of our most viewed stories. Business owners in Maidstone have been left outraged after being told they must remove the metal shutters from outside their shop. Council have sent letters to five sites in Gabriel's Hill, advising them that the shutters are illegal. Lucy's been following this story for us. Lucy, firstly, this has caused a lot of upset. What do the shop owners say? Well, one of the businesses affected is Mr T's Jewellers, which has been on the street for 23 years. The owner there says she thought it was a joke at first because it's never been a problem before. But the new changes have sparked fears that without the shutters, they won't be able to get insurance and will have to foot the bill for broken or damaged windows. And why the sudden change? Maidstone Council say they've recently launched new shopfront guidance, which explains why the external shutters are inappropriate. The guidance says shopfronts should entice potential buyers into the shop and they want to avoid bland, soulless shops and reinstate the individualism of Maidstone Town Centre. So what happens now? Well, according to the council, the street is a designated heritage asset and the businesses don't have permission to use the shutters, so they're breaking the law. But some owners say it's a decision that will kill the high street, as many could now be forced to close if they can't get insurance. Thanks, Lucy. Council say they're working with those businesses to find an alternative solution. Kent Online reports. The government's illegal migration bill looks set to become law after the House of Lords backed down on a number of amendments. Ministers insist the controversial policy will reduce the number of people crossing the channel in small boats. The bill is now likely to receive royal assent, but the Home Office still needs to win an appeal in the Supreme Court before asylum seekers can be sent to Rwanda. It comes as a barge has arrived in Dorset, where it's due to house 500 asylum seekers. Downing Street insists it's better value for money than hotels, but there are concerns about welfare. Labor's Lucy Powell claims the government's plans are getting worse. These barges and things that we're seeing, these are a sign of failure. This is a sign that the backlogs continue, that we need uh, more and more capacity in hotels, in barges and elsewhere to deal with people who are waiting uh, for decisions because that's just not happening. And the government's plans are just not working. It's getting worse and worse these situations, the number of small boats coming across has uh, escalated. Over the last few years, it's gone from from a few dozen to, to thousands and thousands every year, and it is still going up. What I do know from my own constituency, where I've got a number of so-called asylum hotels, I received a letter just a couple of weeks ago from the Home Office to say that they were, in many cases, doubling the capacity in those hotels. So what does that mean? That means instead of there being two people per room, in some cases three or four people uh, per per room, not what these uh, hotels were, were designed for by any means, and of course putting more pressure on local services and so on. So just 
increasing the capacity all the time to house at great expense to the taxpayer uh, people who are here uh, claiming asylum because the government have lost control of the system and we've now got this huge uh, backlog in applications, far bigger than it's ever been. It's taking months and in some cases years for people to get a decision and that means all the while the UK taxpayer is having to pay for them to be either on barges or, or in hotels. So, so these barges are just a symbol of how much the government's policies on illegal migration have failed. Police are investigating reports someone tried to snatch a child at Blue Water. A mum from Hawling says a woman attempted to grab her one-year-old son from the back seat of her car as she parked at the shopping centre over the weekend. The woman ran off when the mum screamed. Centre bosses say they can't comment while police are still looking into it. A woman near Dover says she's being terrorised by a gang of teenagers on e-scooters. They're said to have thrown stones at her house in Ithorn as well as shouting through the window after she asked them to slow down on the hill outside. Police say they've stepped up patrols in the area and given her safety advice. Residents nearby to beaches on Sheppey say not enough is being done to save them from microplastics and fly-tipped waste. Over the last three years, tons of rubbish has been illegally dumped at East Church Gap and Warden Bay, which has seen asbestos and polystyrene left on the shore. Community groups are urging Swale Council to take more action. A spokesperson for the authority says they're working with Kent Police to tackle alleged waste crime. Fly-tipping seems to be an issue across the county, with the MP for Dover and Deal now calling for a crackdown on illegal dumping as well as graffiti. Natalie Elphick says the behaviour damages the environment and creates eyesores. She wants councils to come down harder on those caught breaking the law. Kent Online reports. An inspection of a Kent young offenders institution has found violent behaviour, boys making weapons and staff who seemed to have given up. Cook and Wood in Rochester held 77 boys aged between 15 and 18 at the time, many of whom were being kept in solitary confinement for extended periods. A report released today noted there needs to be urgent and long-term changes to make it an acceptable place for children. There's a warning after thieves tampered with a cash machine in Larkfield. A customer tried to withdraw money from the ATM on London Road, but none was given out. It's thought a suspect was then able to access the cash when they left. Police say they're going through CCTV to try and catch whoever did it. Refuse workers in Canterbury, Whitstable and Hearn Bay are planning to continue their strike action for another month. The GMB union says they'll be walking out until at least the 20th of August in a dispute with the council and contractor over pay, rubbish collection across the area have been delayed or missed. Figures show there have been more than 1,700 incidents of trespassing on Kent's railways in the past year. Hotspots have been revealed in Gillingham, Gravesend, Ashford, Ramsgate and Swanley. Network Rail have issued a safety warning and say they're working with local schools to educate youngsters about the dangers. Kent Online reports. There are calls for a decision on the future of education on the Isle of Sheppey to be made quickly so parents aren't left in the dark. Oasis Academy in Sheerness is due to be taken over by a different trust, but the process might not go through until September next year. MP Gordon Henderson has been speaking about it in the Commons. Currently 1,000 children a day are bused from the Isle of Sheppey uh, to Sittingbourne schools because parents do not want to send their children to the Isle of Sheppey Academy, which means that all Sittingbourne secondary schools are oversubscribed and many children in the town cannot get a local school. As the, my right honourable friend said, the DfE are in the process of transferring the Isle of Sheppey Academy to a new multi-academies trust. But with the end of the summer term fast approaching, Ireland parents have no idea whether that transfer will happen, and if it does, what form it will take. And I've been working with the DfE, as my right honourable friend knows, 
uh, on secondary education problems on the uh, for many years. I, I know that officials are doing their best, but what can my right honourable friend do to speed up the process and end the current uncertainties? Well, as my very honourable friend knows, and I pay tribute to him for the passion he has for improving standards in schools in his constituencies, but the transfer of the Irish Sheppey Academy to a new multi-academy trust is a priority for the department. A strong preferred sponsor has been found, and a proposal is being developed by them. And Once those plans are completed, they will be put to parents before a final decision is taken by the trust and the department on the academy transfer. Strood-based Lee Academies Trust has been identified as the preferred candidate to take over the school. In more education news, the completion of a school in Ebbsfleet Garden City has been pushed back to 2026. Alcadon C of E Academy was initially expected to be completed this year, but the developers say high interest rates and slow house sales have led them to review the demand for school places. The secondary school is now due to take limited pupils in September 2025 in temporary modular accommodation before being fully completed by the summer of 2026. A Gravesend mum has hit out at Chessington World of Adventures after her disabled son was denied access to rides. Healy Hammond says she's been taking 14-year-old son into the theme park for 10 years, but he's suddenly not allowed on rides he previously could go on. She says she's been baffled by the inconsistency. A spokesperson for Chessington say they review their eligibility requirements to ensure guest safety. The landlord of a Dartford pub says he's gone back to cash-only payments in a last-ditch bid to save some money. The 230-year-old, the Lads of the Village pub in Stone, is due to close after seeing a decline in income. The owners reckon going back to basics with payments will save them £250 a month. Sean Holland has been speaking to reporter Keely Greenwood. We're very disappointed, really. It's a shame. I, I, I still like to be able to sit down and have my uh, beer every day. <laughs> and unfortunately, I won't have it now. Yeah until I find some place else to go. It's getting to the stage that we are now actually putting some of our own money into the pub to keep it going because uh, the electricity and everything else has gone through the roof and uh, we're not making the money that we used to make. So that's it, yeah. And the reason, as I say, we're, we're stopping the, uh, it's only cash now because we don't get much money in the till and uh, we can't pay the staff. And the staff would like money. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that'd be good. So what yeah. are you going to do with yourself once you retire from uh, Well, I'm already talking to some of the lads and we'll find someplace else to go. We will, yeah. We said we'll, we'll, uh, we'll have a tour around because we've got a really good day on Sundays. Every Sunday is good. And we'll have, uh, for the first four or five weeks, we go to a different pub every Sunday and then we'll decide, well, where are we going to go? Idea. And that's it, yeah. Because they're all friends. They're all they're all friends. Yeah, they're not customers. They're friends, mm. and that's it. Yeah. Why do you think that pubs are declining and go? Why why are pubs shutting? Well, the cost of living. That's what it is. Yeah. They can't. Most pubs can't keep up with that. No, it's too much money. And beer has gone up as well. And that's another thing because beer is getting so dear that people are going and buying what they want down in Asda's or someplace like that and, stay, and staying at home. But Covid didn't do us any favours at all. That, that, that killed a lot. All the older people don't come out anymore. Kent Online reports.
Follow KMFM News on socials to see what Folkestone Harbour Arm could look like if plans to build hundreds of homes are approved. Tower blocks could be built on the current car park along with shops and leisure facilities. It's in the final stages of a master plan for the seafront by the group led by multi-millionaire Sir Roger DeHaan. A quiet zone is being trialled on the section of the A20 in a bid to reduce noise pollution from lorries heading to the port of Dover. It will run coastbound near Eyecliff when the A20 tap is in place. It will mean HGV drivers will be be told not to use their horns between 11.30pm and 7am. Anyone that doesn't comply could be fined £60. It comes as the Port of Dover's warning people to expect two and a half hour delays as school breaks up for the summer holidays this week. Post-Brexit passport checks have increased processing times but bosses say measures are in place to minimise queues. Across the whole of the UK, experts from the RAC reckon 13 million of us will be on the roads this weekend. As the cost of living crisis continues, the owners of a Kent pub have decided decided to offer pay what you can afford for their Sunday dinners. The landlords of the Queen's Head near Faversham have been working with a nearby food bank and wanted to do even more to help. They say people shouldn't be priced out of living life and hopes it eases pressure on families. Kent Online reports. It's been 12 months since the first three wild bison were released into a Canterbury woodland in what's been called a game changer for conservation. On the same day as temperatures in the UK hit 40 degrees for the first time, the animals set to work to make the land more resilient to climate change. Sally Smith from the Kent Wildlife Trust has been talking to Nicola Everett and says it's been an amazing year. It really has. We we thought the bison would come in and then it would settle and it would be lovely and quiet for a year, but we couldn't have been more wrong. We've had babies, we've had bull arrivals, we've had other animals to the bleem. So it's been a really fascinating year and watching what they're doing to the woodland and the impact that they're having there, it's been truly an amazing year for them in the bleem. Yeah, I think the baby was perhaps the biggest surprise because no one knew that one of the herd was pregnant when uh, when they were first sent to, to Bleen. Um, and the baby is, yeah, well, has, has found their feet and they're, they're quite part of the herd now, aren't they? It was incredible. Who, who'd have thought we were actually getting the buy one, get one free deal of the century of bison? And as we were standing there on what was one of the hottest days of the year in July, that there was a little bison calf in in that bison's belly and uh, lo and behold on the 9th of September which was very sadly the day after the queen had passed away the bison ranger was doing his checks and he was conscious of the fact he hadn't seen the female with two horns for a little while so he went off to track her in the woodland and he got to a nice quiet corner of the bleen and and there she was and he was observing there that all of a sudden a little head popped out from behind mum and we'd have the first wild bison calf born in the UK in thousands of years. It was an incredible moment. And you mentioned there about the hot weather when they arrived, because this week actually marks the the anniversary of temperatures in the UK hitting 40 degrees. I, I guess it was kind of, it all fitted in quite nicely, really, based on what they've come here to do. Um, how have they impacted the woodlands since they've arrived? I think it was a really poignant reminder, actually, of the impacts that we're experiencing with climate change that are as for the first time it tipped over 40 degrees in Kent our bison herd were being released into the woodland and they are there of course as a, as a nature-based solution to the climate and biodiversity crises and um, immediately they set to work we knew we would see changes in the bleen but we didn't realize we would see them so quickly and straight away they began creating bison corridors through the woodland you're seeing light 
brought to the woodland floor that we've not seen in, in tens of years in the Blean. Within weeks, we found dung beetle larvae in, in the bison's dung, which was incredible. I mean, how the dung beetle got the memo the bison were in the Blean, I'd never know. Fundraising is now underway to build bison bridges to expand their grazing area. Toucan beaches have been included in a list of the best 50 in the UK. Stone Bay at Broadstairs and Dover's St Margaret's Bay have been singled out in the Times for their white cliffs, clean water and good facilities. Meanwhile, more than 40 parks across Canton Medway have been given green flag awards this year. Sean Wood, Capstone Farm, Calvary Gardens and the Lower Lees Coastal Park are just some of those recognised. The award is given to places that are beautifully maintained, have excellent visitor facilities and meet the highest environmental standards. Around property on Sheppey has been given a makeover as part of a Channel 4 show. The disused building on Shin as High Street was featured on Worst House on the Street. Although an air date for the episode has not been announced, the business is already reopened as an extension of the craft shop next door. And in more TV news, Kent Castle has been used as a location for the latest series of horrible histories. Crew spent 11 days filming at Allington Castle near Maidstone, which dates back to the 12th century and is now a private residence. Kent Online Sports. Football first and Gillingham are hosting Charlton this evening for another pre-season friendly. It follows a 2-0 defeat to Millwall at Priestfield on Saturday. A younger Jill side will also travel to take on Tunbridge Angels. And briefly in cricket, Kent's Tammy Beaumont will be in England women's squad for the final Ashes match later. Australia have already won the multi-format series as they have an unassailable 8-6 lead. Their last one-day international is being held in Taunton. That's all from us today. Thank you ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok and Threads. You can also get details on the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing. To sign up, just head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.